Hello and welcome to the Bulletin and Beyond. I'm Kira Gillespie. I'm joined by Ben Sylvester. Hello. We're going to walk you through the top headlines for the week. In some good news to start off, the any live music lovers out there can celebrate and go to an actual gig at the end of this month. So um, the States Play on Victoria, which is a series of events taking place on Saturday the 30th and Sunday the 31st of October, is coming to Warrnambool as part of Victorian government's work to safely bring back live music to the state. So the Dart and Marlin will be hosting um, some really great acts on the 30th of October. They've got Dan Kelly, The Maze, Annie Rose Maloney and Beck Goring who will play at that venue. So make sure you jump online, grab a ticket to that one and support our creative sector. Yeah, exciting. Now, Ben, you went to um, a bit of a quirky story at the Botanic Gardens this week. Yeah. What have so they got growing there? It, they've got this um, sort of exotic plant called a puya, which <laughs> it's, um, it's a South American bromeliad so it's sort of a cactus type plant like at the bottom it looks like a big overgrown aloe vera Um, but it's got this massive sort of spear growing out of it that has a big flower on the top Um, and it's about it's almost four meters tall um, with big sort of yellow flowers all over it Um, but uh, yeah the the curator down there is really really excited about it he's sort of um, shouting booyah, pooyah. Um, <laughs> He's been waiting, what, seven years for it to flower? Is that yeah, right? seven years since it was planted. Wow. Um, and he was surprised that it even flowered at all because the the climate down here is much wetter and I think generally cooler than where it comes from in um, Chile. Which, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, he said that even when they do flower, it often takes up to 20 years. So to get one after seven... Um, He's very excited. So, yeah, that was that was nice to see. That's cute. Yeah. We need a little bit of um, good news around here, I think. Well, especially as the weather improves, it's a yeah. good time to get down and have a look. Have a wander around. Mm. Um, now, the Australian medical regulator rejected a proposal to allow the contraceptive pill to be sold over the counter. And it's a move that the Southwest Peak uh, Women's Health Organisation has said is going to most impact women in regional and remote areas. So the Therapeutic Goods Administration interim decision this week will mean that women will need to keep visiting a GP to renew their prescriptions for the pill. Women's Health and Wellbeing Barwon Southwest Chief Executive Emma Marnie, she slammed the decision um, and she joined the Pharmacy Guild of Australia in condemning the decision saying that Um, anything that can improve access for um, women around reproductive choices and contraception um, is a good thing and there are changes that can be made to ensure that there's a you know medical balance um, a GP can still oversee essentially the the script but if you have the same script you shouldn't have to keep going back and renewing Mm. it because it can be costly and yeah a barrier for a lot of women so that was really interesting to speak with her about yeah, particularly when you look at metropolitan and regional. Yeah, did they have? Divides. Did the TGA have like reasoning behind it? Yeah, so their stance really was that um, a GP should be overseeing that treatment, making sure that those options are what is best for that individual at that time, which is um, you know something that Emma 
agreed with, um, but said that COVID has been a really uh, telling time to show us that um, she said that COVID has taught us that we can use real life evidence and you know real time evidence to inform our decisions. And she thinks this is something that we could pivot on a little bit to mm -hmm. ensure that there still is someone overseeing it. And she thinks um, that pharmacists are very well qualified to be able to have that discussion with patients yeah. and you know make sure they are informed about what they're taking um but yeah i think for there's many women out there who have who take that kind of method of contraception and yeah quite exhausting to be like yeah i already had this script <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm back again for the same thing so yeah interesting mm. interesting to keep an eye on that and how it's sort of covid can change the ways that we think about healthcare yeah. and the way we deliver it for sure now ben you've been having a bit of a time this week working mm. out the roadmap and our vaccinated yeah. economy now that we have hit the 70% double dose mark in Victoria. Yeah. The rules have changed. We're opening up more. Tell me what's happening when it comes to vaccinated and unvaccinated members of the community. Yeah. Well, I don't think I'm alone in being sort of bamboozled by the rules. I think there was a lot of confusion through the week about um, what would be required in different sectors and even from just average people wanting to get down to a cafe or something like that. Um, so basically from today, we're under the new settings having passed 70% double dose, meaning that um, when we go out to a hospitality venue or um, a hairdresser or any of those sorts of services, it's possible that we'll have to show that we're vaccinated, fully vaccinated. Um, that's not necessarily the case. Businesses can still operate without asking for their patrons to show vaccination um, status, but that means that those businesses will have to operate under the previous caps that applied, which are much more limited. So for hospitality, that means they can only have 10 people inside and 30 outside, whereas if all of their staff and patrons are vaccinated, they can have 30 people inside and 100 outside. So locally, a lot of businesses have um, actually decided to stay at the lower cap in order not to have that conversation with their patrons, which is, you know, that's their decision. Um, but there's speculation about whether that um, not having to check vaccination status will remain the case mm. um, as we hit 80 or beyond. Yeah. So a lot of water to go under the bridge there, but um, some businesses are, have transitioned really well. I spoke to um, one of the owners at Salt uh, Cafe and Restaurant, and they said that they've been able to just make the change really, really easily. But I think for, for others, it's been a bit more of a challenge. Mm, yeah. um, and I think for people as well, there's been a bit of anxiety um, in some quarters about how they're going to prove it and if they're still waiting on their second dose, what they can do. Um, so, yeah, there's a bit of work to be done. But um, the other thing is proving your vaccination status. Yeah, is, how do you do that? something that, yeah, people have to get their head around. So if you've got a smartphone, um, basically you need to download the Service Victoria app if you haven't already done that. Um, and then... You log in through your MyGov, and that's where you can access your vaccination certificate, and you then need to link 
your MyGov to your Service Victoria app um, so that the certificate will show up when you scan in at a venue. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people have been <clears throat> asking whether they can just screenshot their VAC certificate and according to the government that's not um, something that will fly. They actually need to do the, the linking of the accounts and um, if they find that a struggle there are places such as um, the, the library, the Warrnambool Library that are um, helping people to do that if they're, you know, like me, a bit more. <laughs> technologically limited Um, but also if people don't have a smartphone they can actually get a physical copy of their certificate Um, but they need to actually call up and get that sent to them yeah so to allow for some time yeah Yeah. it's a bit of a process Yeah. yeah yeah Now, it'll be interesting to see over the next week or so, because we are meant to hit that 80% target by the end of the month, really, which yeah, is a bit of, I think ahead of schedule. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and of course, Daniel Andrews said today that once we get to that 90%, um, it's a whole different story again, yeah. um, where we won't really be ever looking at lockdowns again, he said. Um, because that's just not the strategy when you've got over 90% of the population double-dosed. Fingers crossed. Mm. I think everyone, including Daniel Andrews, most of all will be hoping that there are no more lockdowns. Yes. No, it's not good optics, is it? (laughs) Um, But again, in the southwest, we continue to have excellent vaccination rates. We are... 80 double yeah, dose. Yeah, yeah. So on Monday we were at like 79.8 or something yes. like that. So definitely past 80 now, which is so good, yeah, isn't it? Good. And past 95% single dose as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we passed that maybe even a couple of weeks ago almost. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so great work to the region. Yeah. Mm. So the latest that we have on our COVID 19 cases is there was one new COVID 19 case recorded in Moynshire overnight. And late last night, there was one recorded in the Glenelgshire. So that one was an essential contractor from the Melbourne area who was working in the region. This is the Glenelgshire case. Um, So it's not linked to the current three cases that um, are in Glenelgshire at the moment. Now, the Moynshire case that was recorded is linked to existing cases in the area, Health, uh, Southwest Healthcare said on Friday. So there are now 11 active cases in the region across four municipalities. So there are zero in Warrnambool still. There's six, six active cases now in Moynshire across two households, two active cases in Corangamite Shire across two households, and Southwest Healthcare did note that one COVID-19 case was removed from the Corangamite tally due to the person residing outside of the region. And yes, in Glenelg, there is the three active cases across one household and that new unlinked case overnight. But that case as well has not been included in local numbers as the individual resides outside of the area too. So there were no new exposure sites listed overnight, which is great. But uh, as always, keep an eye on the website. It's updated all the time. Um, We'll bring any updates if there are any new exposure sites. But I think not too much cause for concern at the moment is um is the feeling yeah and i mean the other thing that i noticed today was that the um government putting out its daily figures mm. switched up the sort of way it looks so that hospitalizations are now the major thing that they look at rather than um the number of 
positive cases is, is much smaller in that graphic, which sort of shows the shift in emphasis towards looking at hospitalizations rather than cases now that we're getting to much higher vaccination levels where um, cases will be less and less serious in terms of symptoms and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, so we'll focus less on that. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess it's in a region like this that hasn't had a lot of active cases. People still do want to hear about those one or two Absolutely, because, um, yeah. you know, uh, we, we haven't really seen the same levels of infection, which is great in Melbourne. But it is positive to know that we're not we're not really focusing on those numbers yeah. anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, and for our year 12 students, it was a very big week. Um, they said farewell, a farewell ahead of their final exams. The year 12s have only been back at school for 20 days post lockdown. And now they're saying goodbye ahead of their VCE exams, which start next week. The class of 2021 are the only VCE students to study through two years of the pandemic, missing out on many of the usual rites of passage that come with year 12. So Warrnambool College Principal David Cliff said students have had to overcome a lot and support each other a lot through VCE and he encouraged students to soak up the celebrations that they had today on Friday. It included a breakfast, signing of uniforms, school captain's address and procession outside the school grounds with a guard of honour um, by fellow students. So they were able to get dressed up at some yeah. of the schools, did some costumes and, um, yeah, come back together and kind of celebrate what has been a very unusual couple of years in VCE for them. Yeah. Um, the poor things, uh, <laughs> we wish them well in their exams and, um, yeah, it's good that they could have those celebrations today. Yeah, and good good timing in a way and being able to have people over to your house from today. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Probably not hundreds of people, but... Yeah, no, ten, no, definitely ten, not. Ten <laughs> exactly, but some. Hey, it's yeah. good to see kids finally organising sleepovers and and you yeah. know playdates with friends and things like that. It's it's what everybody really needs at the moment. Thank you for tuning into the bulletin and beyond. We'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.